Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode of the show is supported by We Are One Composites. All wheels are not made equal and with the huge possibilities that carbon provides to tune its properties, that's even more the case when it comes to carbon bike wheels. Luckily, We Are One have got it sussed and I've been loving their wheels since I started riding them three years ago. I'm currently using their Faction 29er wheels on my bike and they've been faultless. I love the quality of the finish and the way that they ride, direct but not punishing. They also stay tight and true, unlike most other wheels I've ever owned. If you want to get yourself a set of stock We Are One wheels or their depackaged bar and stem, then downtime listeners get 15% off for the whole of January. All you need to do is to use the code 2021 Here We Go. That's 2021 Here We Go, all one word, all lowercase. Head over to weareonecomposites.com now to check out their entire range. Don't forget to make sure you subscribe to the show. It's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it's there. It's super easy to do with buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. While you're there on that page, you can also join my newsletter where I'll send you links to interesting bike related stuff that I've found, competitions, products I've been using and enjoying and much more. If you want to support the show, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop and get yourself a treat. There's t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies. They're all totally organic, printed to order and shipped with no single use plastic. At this point, all the proceeds go back into the podcast for equipment and software to keep improving the quality of the show. So a massive thank you to everyone who's bought something from the store. If you're not already, then please give me a follow on Instagram or Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's a really good way for me to better interact a little bit more with the listeners. So the more who follow, the better. All right, I thought it would be a nice way to start the year with a bit of energy and positivity. And when I hear those words, there's one rider that comes to mind. That's Yoan Borelli. Yoan has had an interesting year and we'll be chatting about all sorts, like starting his own coaching business, testing the Grim Donut, finding his inner free rider and much more. So without further ado, here's Yoan Borelli. Yo and Borelli, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you? I'm great. Thank you for having me again, Chris. And I'm uh, I'm really pumped to start the new year with you. Excellent. Yeah, I thought it would be good to have a bit of your enthusiasm and inject that into people's ears <laughs> first thing in 2021. So, uh, yeah, before we get stuck into what you've been up to, how's, how's your daughter getting on? Because she's, how old is she now? She's three. Um, three. Awesome. It's Anna, yeah? Anna. Yeah, she's she's three and uh, on the skis this year. Wow! And, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> How does she feel about bikes? Uh, she she she's not really into it, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but she she like she likes bikes like a like a normal three year old little girl. Okay. So she yeah. she bikes, but she she st- she has a pedal bike. But she doesn't really like it yet, and she keeps mm-hmm. on saying, "Oh, when I will be uh, older, uh, when I when I will be bigger, I will uh, I will pedal on my bike." And I was like, "Yeah, uh-huh. that's no rush." <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's even, cool. Even skiing, even skiing, she's um, she likes the journey. Like right now in Whistler to go skiing with kids, it's it's kind of a pain in the butthole, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go to mid station, and it's like you have to take a park your car take a gondola down, walk across the village, take another gondola up, and then you have to walk to the to the magic carpet, and then you do two runs. So it's like a six-hour journey for like just to wow. run. <laughs> but she loves mm-hmm. it. She, lo- she I think she likes the, the journey, you know, like being in the gondola and stuff. She really likes it. Cool. And it's, um, 
no it's cool it's really fun it's super fun awesome and yeah. I, she's been on your bike a little bit as well yeah on one of the little seats yeah she uh she loves that that's for sure huh? <laughs> Does she, she likes going f- fast she likes going fast and yeah on skis and on my bike she really likes going fast she she had a crash in may last year and she broke her leg she, yeah she was on her push bike and she uh-huh. uh she started to go fast and you know how, how they do like they always look behind to see if they follow you yeah yeah and um or you follow them yeah she was looking behind to see if i was following her and she basically um was pushing and she looked back to see if i was there and she just jumped a set of stairs and oh. uh yeah kind of front flipped and she uh, broke her uh, broke her tibia Oh, nasty. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was during COVID. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but everything was fine. She was super, uh, super, super strong, like very, uh, you know, they don't, they don't really care. Like they, she had the cast on and she just adapt herself. Like in a, <laughs> in a week, she was already like kind of trying to work with her cast and, wow. And after we took the cast off and for a week she was, you know, she had to do like a little bit of rehab and getting used to work again. And, uh, after, after 10 days after the cast, she was working like normal and yeah, back to, uh, you know, like it was no big deal. Nothing happened. Amazing. All yeah. Good. They bounced back, didn't they? they was it like super, super quick? Yeah. must've been pretty horrible though, as a parent watching her fly off a set of steps it looking was, the other way. Exactly. It was, I remember it was the first time. You know, like when you, um, like I've experienced that when I was, when I used to race, when I was a, a kid and I would see my parents getting really worried, especially my mom. Yeah. And, uh, and I felt that, you know, I felt like I cried. She, she was crying. I cried with her. I, I grabbed her in my arms and stuff. And I was like, holy fuck, you know, I, I'm feeling that. Like, it's, yeah. it's your, you know, it's your precious, uh, little thing. And, and you're like, wow, this is, uh, you know, it, it yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's hard on the art. It's, it's very painful. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how is that fatherhood journey going for you? Have you found it like, it, has it helped you in other ways in life? Do you think? Totally. Totally. I think it's, uh, but it's something that you, you cannot really describe in some ways to someone that's not a parent. Um, because you need to experience this to understand what it is to be a, to be a dad or to be a parent. And it's, uh, yeah, you cannot, you cannot be selfish anymore. You know, when you are a professional athlete, you are, you are kind of selfish. You know, it's always about you, about your, your training, about everything is, is about you really. And when you have a child, it's, it's not the same anymore. (laughs) Definitely. Not an easy mix. It's not about you anymore. Which is, uh, which is great. You know, it, it teaches me to be, to be patient and, uh, a lot of, lot of really, really good things and to, to take some responsibilities because I, I've kind of always been like a big, uh, a big kid and, and yeah, now, uh, now I need to be, uh, I need to be more responsible. I need to be more serious. I need to, uh, you know, take care of my things and be more organized with my time and, and everything. So it's, uh, it's great. It's a it's a journey and it's a, it's a beautiful one. So I'm I'm super pumped. Excellent. Glad to hear it, man. Well, let's um yeah let's wind back and we'll pick up where we left off 
when we last chatted earlier yeah. in the year. So at that point, I think you were recovering from your knee injury. Totally. Uh, COVID wow. had kind of kicked in and races were getting cancelled, but I think you were still planning on doing the, the EWS season at that point. Yeah. When did, when did we uh, do the podcast? Like April time, I want to say. Oh, yeah, so it was early, early COVID. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, where, when did that all change? You went from being, I guess, geared up to go and hit the EWS season to making some pretty big changes. Yeah. So in um, during the winter, I was getting ready to go race again and doing my rehab for my knee and training and uh, like this whole process. And um, and in March, I was uh, in March, I was I was ready to uh, basically. I I think that just when they announced you know, that everything was going to be canceled. That was like, we were about to go to jump in a plane and, and to go to, uh, to Colombia, I think, or Chile. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really remember which. Yeah, one of the two. Yeah, it was yeah. Colombia or Chile. And yeah, everything, everything got canceled. And at this point I was still, uh, I was still, you know, like training at home and doing all the things that everybody was doing, basically trying to, uh, to stay healthy and trying to stay fit and stuff. And basically at this moment, that's when with Amanda, my business partner, we, we started to uh, create Bailey Concept and uh, the Into the Nyar coaching business. Mm -hmm. And um, everything grew, like we created a website, we got business licenses and, and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and um, basically in June, like everything was still pretty unclear with the race schedule and everything. And at, at this moment, I was like, well, fuck, like, you know, like it, it was super hard to keep the, the motivation to keep training and all this kind of stuff. So I kind of, I kind of dropped it and I was like, you know what, let's uh, try this journey into the, into coaching. Mm -hmm. And I, and I really felt like I, I needed that, you know, I needed a change. I needed to to do something that was more meaningful for me and uh, something like more fulfilling in some ways. And the, the coaching business and for me giving back, you know, to everything that I've learned since I've been mountain biking, it was, it was my, uh, it was the thing that I needed to do at this moment in time. So yeah. we launched everything and at first we didn't really know what to expect because the borders were, clo were closed um there was no travelers outside of canada who, that would be able to come to to whistler or, or the sea to sky corridor and uh so we launched everything without knowing how everything will go but it was a test and we 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 got booked <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got uh i got really busy all summer it was great <laughs> that's fantastic yeah, yeah it was uh well yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was a pretty crazy experience from going to, you know, just, uh, certified as a mountain bike coach to, okay, I'm taking my first clients and I'm going coaching. It was, uh, it was pretty stressful at first. And then in, I, the first couple of weeks were, were pretty intense. And, uh, so I needed to kind of adjust, you know, like the way I was coaching and all this kind of stuff. And I kind of. I kind of found my way slowly and now, now it's, uh, now it's amazing. Like I just, I just love what I'm doing. It's, it's amazing. It's great. Awesome. Yeah. So you have to get a coaching qualification, I guess. So you, have you gone and you've gone and done some kind of 
course to learn to be a coach. Is that right? Totally. So there is the, the PMBIA that's like, uh, the, the, I think, the world first mountain bike uh, coach qualification, basically. And okay. there is different level. There is level one, level two, level three. And you can become uh, basically a certified coach to actually train people after that, to become coaches as well. So I did my level one. I will do my uh, level two in 2021. Uh, so level one is really to learn the basics on how to teach pure beginners, mm -hmm. which is something that I know I had no idea how to, you know, like what does a pure beginner has to focus on? Like what, what are the, the, few, the few things that you need to learn at the beginning? And it's just like, you know, like even shifting, changing gears, how to break, you know, like this all, uh, this all relation, like all these things that we do naturally on the bike that people don't know at the beginning. So it was really interesting for me to do that and to, to do this course. And, uh, so it gave me some, some keys that I could, uh, that I could give to my, to my people, to my, uh, how do you say that? To my, uh, to my people. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> To my people when I when I teach when I teach them. Yeah. And yeah. did you learn anything about your own riding by going right back to basics like that? Did so, anything surprise you? So during the during the course, um, not really because it's really um, like it's kind of stressful. Like even if it's a level one, uh, and I've been riding my bike for for I don't know how many years now, it was uh, it was pretty stressful, and there's a lot of things to learn. And at the first day, I remember, like, after the first day, I was like, holy shit, am I actually going to pass this thing? <laughs> <laughs> but it went well. <laughs> and uh, so, I, you know, during the course, you don't, really, uh, you don't really have time to see exactly what you're doing. But when you start teaching people, you, you, my way is basically to show, like, you know, how to do things. And then they do it. And then I do it again. And just by doing that and by filming, I really like to film as well, people. So you can mm -hmm. really see, the, and they can see themselves, you know, like body position and everything is super important. And, uh, and to correct people, it's, it's the best way, you know, to have a screen and to see what they are doing is, is perfect. And when I do that, I ask sometimes people to film me so I can see myself as well. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm actually not really doing that. So I correct myself. And let's say that in the three months of coaching, my writing has completely improved, which is wow. pretty crazy. Just yeah. by, you know, describing everything. And what I say to people is that we write some pretty gnarly stuff and there is no reason to make them gnarlier than what they are. If you, if you make things gnarlier than what they are in real life, it, there is something wrong. And we should <laughs> adjust that. <laughs> Yeah, so, so my point. way is really, you know, like to to show and demonstrate things in a in a very um, in a very safe way, and if I can achieve that, then for me it's uh, it's goal uh, achieved. So yeah. just by doing that and really focusing on like the timing and coordination on where to break, where to release the brakes, where to push on your legs, and all doing all these moves, huh, it really kind of put my riding to. Uh, to another to another point and yeah i'm kind of it's exciting it's really exciting yeah so when you in like your previous guys as a as a pure racer before the coaching would you go out and do sessions to try and get 
faster on the bike? Like how, how did you look to progress your speed of riding, not just the fitness side, but the actual kind of pace on the bike? And that's, that's actually the, the thing is that I think that when we, when we are racers, and I think especially in enduro, we really focus on the physical aspect. So we, mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time doing interval trainings and gym and, you know, all these, all these really physical things to be like the fittest that we can be for the races. That's, that's the main goal. And then for general speed, most of the time we, we basically go ride our bikes. And when we ride our bikes, a lot of people do cardio training, which is like interval training and all this kind of stuff. And they don't really, we, or I didn't really, you know, kind of focus on the riding aspect, which I think is a mistake because we, we actually racing is on your bike and you should know everything about, you know, your body position in corners and all these little details that actually at the end of the day, this is what really matters. I think, you know, like you can, you can spend like hours and hours and hours at the the gym and you might increase, you know, you might improve by 1%. When you are when you are at the top, I mean, you know, yeah. when you are at the top, we are all fighting for like this, this like five percent, you know. But when you spend hours and hours and hours at the gym, at some point you are you are at your max, and you're gonna increase like what, one percent? That's all. That's all there is. But if you focus more on your riding part, you know, like cornering, which cornering is cornering, I think is the is the most important thing. But we completely neglect this aspect of biking. Like you see Samil, and he can corner way faster than anybody else like Richard but if you can't corner well you you suck you exit with zero speed <laughs> it's true you exit yeah. with zero speed you have to be on the pedals and after two minutes you're cooked and what do you yeah. do you cross-eyed <laughs> 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 and that was that was one of my mistakes like I remember when we had the um, at some point when we were racing AWS we had like a GPS on the bike so they were they were putting like a little um a little kind of transmitter on our bikes. Okay. And afterwards, I think that was three, four years ago. And afterwards, we could see on the EWS website, we could see all our, uh, basically, data. So you could see mm-hmm. yourself at the beginning of a stage, middle of the stage, everything. And you could, comp- you could compare yourself with some other riders. And you could always see me, like, basically starting for the first minute or two faster than almost everybody else <laughs> and then slowly dying down <laughs> but it was you know like this thing of like okay i'm going fast i'm really trying hard but i was you know like going too fast not really focusing on the basics breaking early in the corners exiting with speed like you know all these little things that actually makes the difference and when you see sam like he doesn't ride faster than anybody else. He's just like constant. Like he, it's like a, it's like a river. <laughs> like it's, it's yeah, pretty, flow. It is a lot of flow. And if yeah. you don't have this flow, it doesn't work. Yeah, because it would be really easy, I guess, to look at data like that and say, well, I'm I'm fading towards the bottom of the track. I, obviously, I'm not fit enough. I need to spend more time in and the that, gym. And that would be, you know, that would be the mistake. And that's what I used to do. I would be, oh, I'm actually, I'm not fit. But then you're like, well, I'm training like a, like a motherfucker <laughs> and I can't, I'm not improving. So just like put that to the side a moment and then maybe look at something else. You're 
cornering might not be a point. <laughs> yeah. Do you think in the in the things that you've kind of worked on and changed over the time you've been coaching, are there is it just across all elements of your riding, or are there very certain specific things that you could pinpoint that say, I've changed this and as a result I'm going faster? I think it's the more time you spend on your bike and the more um the more easy you're gonna you're gonna be. And the yeah. Can you say that question again? (laughs) (laughs) Do do you, yeah, do you think the the changes that you've made to enable you to go faster since you've been coaching is that could could you pinpoint one or two things that you think have made a big difference, or is it just a combination of a lot of smaller things? I think it's like the main thing will be the timing. You know your your timing and coordination. It's really understanding the terrain. Because we basically ride a trail. And if you ride every trail the same way, you you are not really gonna well at some point you're gonna you're gonna hit some kind of blockages. You know, like we really need to adapt ourselves to the terrain, to every specific terrain, and you need to ad- completely adapt your riding style to this specific terrain. And I think that one of the mistakes we make is that we always ride the same way. And, you know, like your timing is, is super important. Timing where, where to break into the corners or even on a, like, let's, let's take, for example, um, during the summer, I was coaching like a really, really good rider. Uh, we were riding double black diamonds. Like it was super, super cool. But the guy was riding all the, all these trails, but all the time at the bottom of every steep features, he was looking super, super sketchy. He was riding everything, but he was super, super sketchy. And there's a lot of people like that. So we kind of, I was kind of like, wow, what's, what's the, what's happening here? So I kind of took some videos of him doing stuff and I did it again. He filmed me and it was basically the approach of every feature. So when you ride the double black diamond trail, steep staff are, are pretty long and at some point you have to be comfortable with speed you cannot be on the brakes anymore you need to release the brakes and you need to be really comfortable with speed because there is no other ways to do it you need to let go and basically what he was doing is he was entering all these really steep staff like steep shoot rock faces all this kind of stuff with too much speed which was leading to him grabbing the brakes halfway down the descent and then completely eating the brakes at the bottom. And he was completely like, you know, taking everything in the face at the bottom, bah, explosion. <laughs> and he, he looked super sketchy. And in fact, we just had to change his approach, entering things a little bit slower, halfway through the descent, releasing the brakes, and then carrying speed at the exit. It's a same feature, a different approach, but it was, it changed completely his way of riding. Completely. Yeah. And that's, and you know, that's, that's the way in racing as well. There is some moments where you need to be on the brakes, some moments where you need to release the brakes, some moments you need to be on the pedal, some moments you need to slow down and rest. Like it's, you have to really understand that the terrain and the trail, otherwise it doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. I think that go slow to go faster thing is totally really, like, exactly. really hard to get your head around. You always sort of when you're blowing up turns and late breaking into stuff and only just getting away with it, you feel fast. But, it's but not... generally when you put that against the clock, it's not. Exactly. And when we're racing, we have this thing where we're like, oh, we need to go super fast. You know, like it's the, 
it's race day and we're going to be on the pedal like right away at the at the start gate but no like just take your time <laughs> <laughs> do a little sprint look up like looking up as well looking up it's so important where you look at on the trail if you look right at your front wheel where you're going to feel like you're going fast because you're going to see every route, every rocks, every little things. Your brain's going to be completely fired up with a lot of information. When in fact, if you just look like, took, you put your head up and you look like 10 meters away, you're going to see things coming earlier. You're going to be able to anticipate more things. You're going to be way more relaxed on your bike and everything's going to flow. So it's really yeah. like thinking about little details that are going to completely change your, your riding. Yeah, so subtle story, things. Long story short, I need to go back racing to, <laughs> <laughs> to see if that pays off or not. <laughs> Excellent. Have you been? Do you feel like you've learned things from your clients on the on the courses as well? Always. Like for example, this guy that we just uh, took an example from. Like he, for me, it was uh, like he was a big eye opener, and I was like, oh yeah, like this is actually it's super important. Like the timing does it all, and I think that. When, when, when you take a, a coaching lesson, there, is, there will be a lot of coaches out there who are really going to be picky with like every little details, you know, like how your elbows are, how your feet are, blah, blah, blah. And I think this is, this is great, but sometimes it's just too much information when actually, in fact, you can just be focusing on that timing and, and really understanding the terrain and make people understand that, you know, there's, there is a way to write stuff. And, as soon as they start to understand the terrain and, and this kind of thing, the, the, their riding completely changes and they are like, oh my God, like I don't feel sketchy anymore. And sometimes they, are, they actually say, they, they are like, oh, this is actually the way riding should feel. Because you know, like sometimes you ride and it doesn't feel right. You're like, there's something wrong here. I'm stiff. It, the, the compression at the bottom doesn't feel like when I yeah, ski, yeah. when I ski, I feel exactly the same. I'm skiing and I'm like, this doesn't feel the way it should be feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what to do with my body. I, I'm not a really good skier. I don't have any technique. And I know it. I'm like, this is not the way skiing should feel. So it's just uh, understanding what to do with your body and everything. Definitely. Yeah. There's yeah. a, there's, there is, there's a feeling you get from watching good riders, good skiers, good snowboarders. Exactly. That it does feel like that when you get to be reasonably okay at it. But yeah, getting there is is pretty hard, right? Totally. But it's a yeah. practice. Just yes. practicing. Lots like, of practice. Like everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what which what do you find more rewarding then? Teaching or coaching? sort of really competent faster riders or coaching people that are relatively new to the sport? I think that both are, both are great. Like, you know, there is, there, is a, there is a really good reward when you teach like someone that's... Uh, I, ne I never had like pure, pure beginners. I had some, some like kind of entry level riders, but mm -hmm. I never had like really pure, pure beginners. But there is a, like the reward is always kind of the same. You know, like when you... When you see people, like, you know, everything start to, uh, to click in in their head and they are like, oh, I'm starting to understand. And you really see it in their writing. I think no matter how good the writer is, you're going to feel like such a good reward at the end. It's, it's pretty amazing. And then big smiles and, and yeah, that's, that's the best. Yeah. Yeah. When people are stoked on learning things and getting faster and achieving it, it's, totally. it's a cool environment. I know. Yeah. It's right. It's right. 
Yeah. And you've put a lot of effort into like the, the whole day as well, haven't you? Making sure like they're well looked after, well fed. It must totally. be a nice day out. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, well, it's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work and it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of effort. We, we're going to change that a little bit next year. We, uh, we're going to do like some sort of a breakfast and stuff. We're going to do an après. But during the ride, we've realized that some people don't eat most of the time. And it's really hard, you know, to accommodate what people really want. So mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna we have, we have a sponsor Alchemy that makes bars in uh, in BC, and yeah. we basically gonna give bars for for lunch because that's basically what people eat. You know, like when you do a full day of riding, you don't want to sit down and eat something that's super heavy. And like we went through different different stuff, like different style of lunches, and there's always like there, there's too much waste. Like it's a like people don't eat sometimes and then you, you know, like there's a lot of waste. So yeah. I didn't really like that. So we're going to tweak that a little bit next year and make it, make it better, um, easier to organize. And we're going to be able to accommodate kind of everybody. Very nice. Yeah. So what's it been like as an experience then launching a business? Cause this, this is the first business you've had. Is that fair? Yeah. It was, uh, it was good, and it it keeps uh, it keeps growing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Like we um, we started by just doing the um, the into the near day and half day, and we uh, in September we organized some skills uh, skills night in Whistler. So mm-hmm. for four weeks, twice a week, we had a skills night, uh, jump, learning jump, learning. You know how to do a bunny up, how to. Uh, to do a track stand, how to do a wheelie, like all these little things that people need to uh, need to practice, and it's always fun, you know, when it's a group and with cool coaches and stuff. So we did that; it was really successful. So next year we're gonna we're gonna do more of those, and we also organized the camp at the Coast Gravity Park, and that went super well as well. Huh? So we were super pumped, and we're gonna do more of those next year as well. So there will be a launch uh, really soon. Huh? <laughs> with all the dates and uh, and basically all our plan for uh, for next year awesome what have you what have you learned then from having your own business for the first time that uh, nothing is uh, nothing is easy <laughs> yeah a lot of work behind the scenes There's right a lot of work behind the scenes and it's not because you uh yeah, it's not because I'm Johan Barilly that everything is uh, working. <laughs> 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 Sometimes you, uh, you're super pumped on, you know, like announcing something and stuff. And then you're like, yeah, that's going to that's gonna work. And then you're like, well, that, that, was, a, that was a flop. <laughs> 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 but, it's, uh, but it's good. You know, like there is, I, don't, I don't think there is, anything, uh, there is anything better, you know, when you when – you, you create something and then you launch it to people, you offer it to people and then the response is, uh, the response is great. You know, like the, the feedback is, uh, is great. There's nothing better than that. It's, uh, it's super fulfilling, but it's, it's, it's like everything, you know, it's a lot of work. If you don't work, then nothing happens. So yeah, yeah, you need to be on it. Good. Oh, I'm glad it's going well, man. It's uh, it's really cool to see you doing it. Yeah. Thank you. Well, one thing we can't not talk about 
Um, and that is the phone call that I assume you got from Pinkbike at some point this year asking you if you wanted to test the Grim Donut. Oh, man. <laughs> Tell us a bit. How how did that all come about? Oh, my God. That was... Um... That was uh, that was funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, I got a I got a message from uh, Mike Levy, and he was like, "Hey, Johan, we uh, we're gonna test the Grim Donut. Do you want to be part of that?" So of course I said yes right away, without <laughs> really knowing what it was all about. And uh, and sure enough, a couple of weeks later, we were in Pemberton <laughs> doing some back to back testing. <laughs> with the with the donuts and oh my god that day was just uh it was kind of the highlight of my career one of the <laughs> highlights of my career it was it was uh like i looked at the geometry of the donut and in my head i was like there is no way this bike is going to be is going to corner there is no way i'm going to be able to do like you know no turns and all this kind of stuff with this bike it's going to be a nightmare. And then Mike Levy was like, dude, you need to wear your full face and, and all your protection. Like, we don't know if the bike is actually going to snap or not. So you have to be really <laughs> careful. So I was like, wow, this is, a, this is going to be sketch. <laughs> and, um, and then we got to Pemby and took the, took the bike out and I kind of, I looked at it and then, and then I jumped on it and I kind of, I did like a parking lot, you know, little, little loop. Yeah, and then I looked at Levy, and I was like, "It doesn't feel too bad." And <laughs> <laughs> it was like, "What do you mean?" It was like, "I was like, no, like actually, uh, you know, it, when you when you look at it, yeah, it, it looks like a like a like a shopping cart." <laughs> yeah, but uh, it doesn't feel bad when you're on it. So he was kind of intrigued, and the first thing I did on the bike, there was like a little jump, like maybe you know, like six seven meter little jump, and I kind of went up, tack, jumped the thing. And then in the air, it felt so stable because the thing is like, uh, it's like riding a tandem. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then I looked at him again and I was like, I think that bike is going to be fast. <laughs> Fair play. And, uh, and yeah, that was it. And the, yeah, it, right away, right away. Like I was, I was really fast on the bike and then it didn't feel, it didn't feel bad. It was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty cool. So it didn't take much learning. You didn't have to do too many runs to get up to speed on it. No, like it was, uh, it was right away. Like I remember at some point I did one, we went up to the, to the track. So that's, that was, that's my testing, uh, testing track. That's where, where I do my all my testing timing and stuff like that. Okay. And, uh, so I'm really familiar with the, with this track and we got to the top and I did one little, uh, section and I climbed back up and I, uh, Levy and, uh, I don't remember the name of the, the, the videographer but I looked at them and I was like okay we're not gonna fuck around I'm gonna just send it and <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw Mike smile starting to uh, starting to grow a little bit and then right away like first first shot they were like dude <laughs> <laughs> you need to slow down <laughs> amazing and um, and yeah we did we did uh, I did a lap on the comment side it was kind of complicated because the donut was not really reliable 
like I had a few mechanicals. Uh -huh. <laughs> I had a couple flat tires and the, the chain was coming off and it was kind of, it was not really the best. So it was hard to get, to get a full run. Yeah. So I, I basically did a run with the commensal. I did a warm up lap and then I did a run top to bottom, full gas with the commensal. And then, uh, I tried to do an overrun with the donut and I had a flat tire. Then I did another one and something happened. And then I did another one and the free lap system didn't work. Oh. And then I did, I think I had another flat tire. So we couldn't get a lap. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point I was like, okay, let's go to the bike shop and, uh, let's buy a like strong tire. So we put a pretty beefy, like I think it was a, like a Maxis, Maxis thing, like a 27.5, but like really big, beefy tire with like a massive yeah. tube. We bought like a downhill, you know, like a <laughs> one kilo tube inside. We're like, okay, we're not going to flat. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I, I did the run with like 35 PSI in the rear or something like that. Whoa. And uh, I the chain dropped at some point. <laughs> and then I was pedaling and came back on and uh finished the lap and uh yeah it was it was super fast <laughs> yeah were you were you surprised by how much faster it was i was actually super surprised i was like oh my god how is that possible <laughs> <laughs> i think that the track that i that i chose was actually pretty suitable for the for the donut you know it was okay. really long corners like kind of flattish at the top and um And the bottom was pretty steep as well, but nothing super tricky, technical. So it was pretty, there was some flow all the time, which is, I think, really suitable for this kind of bike. Yeah. So yeah. I, what I say to Levi is that we should actually take it to another track and really try it in like some really more junky terrain to mm -hmm. see how that goes. But I'm, um, I'm super intrigued. And on my side, I'm going to do some testing to push a little bit in that direction to see yeah. how that feel and to do some proper testing on my, uh, on my side. Cool. Did you yeah. have to do much work to get it set up? Like, and, and did you set it up much differently to your, your race bike? I basically took my, took the donut. I adjusted the brake lever flat and that's all I did. Wow. Okay. I so no suspension set up, nothing no, fancy. No suspension set up, like nothing. It was Not my brakes, like it was com a completely different bike, completely different. And I'm guessing there's a few hours of setup that's gone into your race bike. Oh yeah, like it, it took me, it took me probably a month to feel really comfortable on the new commensal. Mm -hmm. um, like it was, it was a, it was a long process because from the the older version of the commensal to the newer version of the commensal, it was such a drastic change that it really took me quite some time to get used to the bike. And at, at some point I was like, okay, now I feel good. The bike can go fast, but it was, a uh, it was, it was a big, a uh, big shift. So the donut was actually even more, you know, like, blah, like, <laughs> but yeah. It was, yeah, it was, uh, pretty interesting. And to just yeah. see the reaction of Levy when he saw the time, <laughs> was, <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, how did you do that? Dude, you, you created like a, <laughs> like a monster truck and the thing is actually working <laughs> yeah I, i watched the video and it looked like he was genuinely surprised like i don't think he ever really thought it was going to be faster than a current oh, bike. yeah i know it was like a bit of a joke sort of thing but yeah, it, it was seems totally, to work the bike was a joke but i think 
you know, like this old bike is, is actually a joke. Like the bottom bracket is way too low. Like it's impossible to pedal. Like it was, I think they put like, like 16, 160 millimeter crank on the bike. Uh -huh. So super short cranks, uh, because you, you couldn't pedal with like 170 or 175. And so they put really short cranks. Is that is that actually the dimension? Am I saying something stupid? Or? I think it was even shorter than that, maybe. But I'm not. I'm not totally sure. Yeah, something super super short. Like he felt like you were pedaling on a on a baby bike, like my daughter's bike. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it was kind of very interesting for me to do that and to be like, wow, this is actually you know like something that we never do. Like we. Basically, we race in enduro, especially like downhill. I think like guys like Bruni um, and some of our top racers in the World Cup circuit, they actually ride with different stuff that the general public rides. Yeah. But in enduro, we ride basically stock bikes, and I I think that's a, I think that's a bit of a mistake from from brands because if you invest money into racing, why don't you try? to create the fastest bike you can for your racer. Yeah. Yeah. Like the goal is to win races. The goal is not to go pick up mushrooms on the side of the trail. <laughs> so if you invest, <laughs> if you invest money, like why don't you, you know, like it can be the same geometry, the, like the same suspension design and everything, same, same bike, but it's, it's tweaked a little bit. So it's actually made for racing. And I think, yeah. I, I think that if I was a brand manager, that's, that's what I would do. Like if I invest in a, in a, in a team to go race or in a, in a rider, just create a, a fucking fast bike. Cause you want to yeah, win. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. And it's got, it's got a crazy slack head angle. I think it's like 57 degrees or something. And it was, it was 57 degrees. Yes. <laughs> do you, could you feel any issues with forks binding at that? Cause people I, say as you, as you get slacker, you're going to get binding in the bushes. But I think that, you know, over time, if you ride this bike every day, and of course, like after a month, you probably have to change, uh, to change everything on the fork. And it mm -hmm. might, it might snap at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but it will be, you know, like if we get to that point, I think that suspensions will have to be actually uh, modified. Like if we are not going to go from like 63 degree, which is like now the standard, in enduro, mm -hmm. which is actually kind of crazy. That was 63, five years ago was actually a slack downhill bike. And yeah. now, now it's a, it's a normal enduro bike, which is kind of crazy. And, and to go from 63 to 57, there is a big gap. We are not there yet. <laughs> so the, the technology is going to have to improve. I don't know if that's the way, you know, like I, I doubt it that that's the 57 is actually the way that we should be going. But on certain type of track, like for example, Chile, that's what I say to Levi. I was like, you, you do, you take this bike, you modify it, you make it a little bit better, but you keep the same geometry and you go to Chile for the EWS. This bike can win by a minute. Cause it's super fast and wide open. Yeah. It's, it's super fast and stable. You don't do anything on the bike. You, you completely centered and the bike does the job for you. It's, it's incredible. Do you it's think like, it? It's completely, Sorry, effort, it's completely effortless to ride with, with this thing on, yeah. on this type of like really fast, loose, uh, you know, wide open kind of track. If you, if you take, uh, if you take it to the French Alps, 
with like you know super tight switchback and stuff it, it it's probably going to be a different story yeah could you see races having different bikes for different places of course like i think that 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 would be the way like why do we have to race the same bike for all the the races and, and especially in enduro we go from like such a big variety of of terrain that why do we race the same bike it's kind of it's a little bit uh, mind mind boggling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and, do you and, think? And it's I, sorry. I don't. I don't think it's really. Uh, and I don't think it's super hard. You know, to change a bit of a geometry of a bike, it's not that hard. There's like yeah. technology right now, like you know, adjustable and head angle. Like you can actually tweak the geometry of your bike. So I'm really pushing right now. If there is some pro riders that are racing the Enduro World Series and they want to try things different just just do that you know like try different things how like how do you want to improve and get better results if you keep doing the same things it's it's not going to work you need to change things you need to try different stuff to actually get better yeah what do you have a feel for what you think was the biggest contributing factor to that bike being so fast because it's i guess the three main things are length the head angle and the height of the bottom bracket. They're the three big things that have been changed, the levers that have been moved. Totally. So I think for me, you know, the reach was really long on this bike. I think it was around 500 reach. So it's, it's actually mm -hmm. pretty, pretty long. And the, the wheelbase, we still don't really know how long was the wheelbase, but it was like this 57 degree head angle. And it's hard really to 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 pitch point what what was the wheelbase was really important because you really you know I really felt centered on the bike yeah super yeah. centered but when you look at the reach of like for example Richie Rude which is is a pretty like average person in terms of like height I think it's uh -huh. like one seventy seven or something like that and I think he rides with like a like a pretty short reach, like maybe 40, 460. Is that okay. it? Yeah, some, something pretty, pretty average, which, you know, like going too far in the reach, I, you really, like he thinks like you are kind of laying down on the bike. <laughs> yeah. Really. Uh, so I don't think that actually a long reach was what, um, that's what was, Making the bike fast? Does that does okay. it, it make sense what I say? Yeah, yeah. I think it's more the, the head angle and the wheelbase that was pretty long. The chain stay of this bike was super long as well, of the donut, which okay. makes you even more like centered on the bike. Yeah. So there is, there is different aspects that we need to actually look at. And, uh, and I'm kind of, I'm doing that right now. I'm, I'm, Interesting. Ah. So yeah. <laughs> At this point, I was going to talk to you about your top secret 2021 sponsors, but um, ah. that information is not being released for another few days. Nope. So we will talk about it, but it's going to come out in a in a separate episode in a few days' time. Exactly. So, so people, stay tuned. There is some yeah. pretty pretty interesting stuff, and I'm uh, like it's it's been so far. It's been an amazing journey with these people, and uh, I'm I'm really pumped. I'm really 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 pumped. Excellent. Well, we can leave people speculating about your new totally. ride with Pink Bike on the Grim Donut. <laughs>
it oh. might be it might be the grim donuts like people actually mentioned that it might actually be the grim donut we don't know yeah or you'd be a good fit at the syndicate i think loris is leaving there's a place there oh yeah bit, bit of downhill bit of a change yeah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, one, one thing we can talk about, have you missed racing this year? I actually, I did. I didn't at the beginning, but you know, like seeing everybody racing in Europe was kind of, was, a uh, yeah, I, I missed it. You know, I missed, I missed to be at the races. I missed to, to be in the start gate. I kind of I miss that because that's that's what I've did what I, that's what I've done basically all my life all my career. I uh, I did my first race when I was seven and and every year I've been racing. So it's uh, it was uh, yeah it was it was a, but I I think I needed it. I needed a break. Um, and we we'll see it's like so far we still really don't know how the calendar will be. Well, actually. The, the EWS calendar, where actually when this podcast is going to be released, maybe we will know what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I might, I might go back to some races uh, in 2021, so this year. Huh? Uh-huh. But uh, I still exactly don't know what and, uh, and where. I have, okay. a few, I have a few ideas because my, my writing style is changing a little bit. Like I, I've discovered myself kind of understanding and, and being really comfortable on doing like big gaps and stuff like that. Yeah. Which I never really felt comfortable on until, until this year. So that's a new thing for me. And I'm kind of intrigued to see uh, how far I can go. Some rampage. (laughs) <laughs> well rampage is a rampage is a tough one you know like the the quality and you know all this kind of stuff and to, yeah. to get to get an invite for rampage i like i honestly right now at this point in my career i don't feel like i deserve a spot like and you know i don't do tricks i don't do all this kind of stuff i can okay. i can do big stunts but i i won't be the guy who really does you know crazy tricks and stuff like that i'm thinking yeah. i like he can come. Like I, I can probably. My goal next. My goal in 2021 is to, uh, to learn how to backflip and to land it on, uh, on dirt. Uh-huh. That's that's one of my goals. And you know, like oh, if I, I can do a few things like that, maybe I can get an invite. But I, I really don't, uh, don't think so. But I have a unfinished business with a Red Bull Hardline. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, yeah, I, I want to go back. Cool, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I was going to say I've seen quite a lot of uh, pretty amazing gaps on your Instagram feed in the last few months. It looks like you've been doing quite a lot of work out on the trails as well, and getting some of these old gaps up and running, or finding some pretty interesting stuff to hit. Like, how what's changed that's enabled you to feel more comfortable with that sort of riding? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people that look at those sort of features and are like, how do you even contemplate that? <laughs> I included. Think, I think it's, uh, you know, like it, it, that's also part of, you know, kind of stepping away from racing this year. Like I have all, always been like when you, when you race, you always think about the injury. The injury factor is really always in your, in your mind kind of. And, and we really focus on the, the training aspect. So all these kind of, stunts we you don't even look at them 
you know, if they are too sketchy, you don't, you don't take the time to look at them. You're always kind of, you know, on your bike ride, doing your stuff, doing some training, and you don't take the time to, to look at these things. So this year, it was really, really nice for me to actually spend the whole summer here and discover some things that I've never seen before, jumps and stuff, and, and working on these things and being like, okay, well, I think I can actually do that, you know, and taking the time to reshape things, to restore them if they were completely destroyed, and to also make them work with our way of riding these days mm -hmm. because the way these stunts were working like 20 years ago and the way they were hitting them is completely different with the way we ride them now. So it was, you know, like readjusting them with our time, with 2020. Yeah. And, uh, and no, and, you know, like getting into that, into that mindset of being like, okay, I, I'm going to jump this and getting into the zone and trying to understand the speed and where to land and, you know, all this timing as well, where to release the brakes, where, what to do. And, uh, and I started by one and, and it was just like the, just, just kind of a, a declic in my head and being like, wow, I can actually do this kind of stuff. And then he kept on going, you know, I was finding another one and another one and another one. And, and there is so many here. So it's like, wow, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, a, I'm like a kid in a, in a candy store. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was super cool. And also taking some tools and taking the time to also, you know, reshape some things. It was, uh, it was something that I've never really done before. And, and, uh, why well, I, I used to do it when I was a kid, but since I started my, uh, my professional career racing, I've never really, uh, really done that a little bit, but not, uh, not to that extent, which was, yeah. uh, which was also like a super good learning experience for me. And, uh, and I love it and I want to do more in the future for sure. Yeah. That's cool that not racing has freed you up to be more creative and get this sort of riding done. That's really totally. cool. Yeah. I, uh, I'm yeah. really, I really enjoy it. And how does it feel the first time you hit? something like that one of those features like talk me through the emotions from the first pedal turn to when you've stopped after clearing it so my um like i really base myself on feeling so i you know i don't really overthink much i really go with my gut and i i have this saying that when i look at something i kind of look at it one time two times and i'm like he goes And if I say he goes, it means that he goes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat it. If I, if the he goes doesn't doesn't come out, I will leave it for another day. Like there is always yeah. another day, and I think this, like with this kind of stuff, you really have to listen to your gut feeling because, like the the injury factor is there, and you can really fuck yourself up, and that's not good. Yeah. And sometimes you know, like if you have this, uh, you don't know about it. Just just let it to the side. Just walk away. Don't do it now. Maybe you're just not ready. And then, uh, and I had this, this summer, Remy released a video and he did this kind of transfer on one of the trails in Squamish on Weso. And, and this thing is like maybe seven, eight meters long. It's not too big. Um, but it's really high consequence. And you mm -hmm. are like on a spine, you know, like you have to take off on the spine. There is no takeoff actually. Like that jump is actually not made to jump this way. And, uh, and I, and I looked, I saw him do that and I was like, wow, this is, a, this is super cool. 
and I went and then I was taking my clients uh, through coaching sessions and stuff. And I, I did actually with some clients, I actually did some running. I was like, okay, I'm going to jump that. But I always been like, I don't know. Like there was always something that I couldn't understand. And then last week I went back, it was pissing rain. And uh, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, I think it goes. And then boom, sure enough, it went. <laughs> and that was, uh, that was good. So I, like, you know, like if some, some people that are listening are, are really trying to experience this kind of stuff and jumps and stuff, I think it's super important to listen to your, to your instinct. And if you have a doubt, just, just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. The reward, the, okay. the reward, you know, like risk versus reward you you always have to kind of to balance them both and be like okay is it actually worth the risk or not if you feel super confident and you're like yeah i got this then then do it but if you if you're in doubt yeah i will uh, kind of walk away and you come back a month later and maybe it's gonna you're gonna feel more comfortable and boom it goes (laughs) sweet and what's the feeling like when you land it is it a relief is it elation like how how do you feel about that sort of thing the funny thing is that you actually feel it right away as, as the first pedal strokes, you, you already kind of know, you know, like I, I always know if it, if it's going to go well or not. And even mm-hmm. in the air, like I know, I can really now adjust myself and the bike in function of if I'm going to go too far. Because the first try, the first try is always kind of, um, you know, you really have to guess the speed and everything, how to pop. Yeah. And sometimes you, in the air, you're going to feel like, oh, I'm going to be a little bit short. And by just pushing your bike a little bit forward, like nose heavy, you're going to make it, you're going to clear a little bit more room with your rear tire and you're going to make it go. If you're too yeah. long, you land a little bit more. Well, actually, it doesn't really matter. You're going to be exploding yourself anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but you can really feel it in the air and you can get ready for the bottom because you have quite a bit of time to get ready <laughs> yeah but it's it's always like a, a super good feeling always when i land for the first time you can always hear me like Yahoo! <laughs> <laughs> like explosion of joy <laughs> it's awesome. uh no it's it's a really 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 cool feeling i love it definitely man yeah it's been cool to watch it but you, you've taken a little bit of time away from social media this year as well what Tell us a bit about that. What drove that? Well, it's social media is really draining. And, and I think I was kind of becoming a little bit of a, not of an addict of posting, but it was more like sometimes I found myself just picking up the phone out of my pocket and then going on Instagram and scrolling without even noticing it. And that's when I started to do that. I was like, when I started to realize that, I was like, wow, there is a, there is something wrong here. And then I went on my daily kind of screen time, and sometimes it was like six hours. And I was like, how? Whoa. How? Like five hours, six hours. And I was like, how do I spend so much time on my phone? You know, like how how is that productive? Like what what's wrong here? And it was really like like a lot of time on ping bike. <laughs> <laughs> reading like going to an article and reading comments and all this kind of stuff so it was a lot of time on that a lot of time on social media as well i took facebook out of my phone like two years ago because uh-huh. i think that the facebook vibe is very very negative 
And, but the Instagram thing was kind of the same, you know, like, and, and the stuff that you see, you know, like you go on the, on the research button and everything on that is really made for you to stay on your phone. Like it really, uh, like for, for men, like if every man right now on social media grab their phone, listening to their podcast, they grab their phone, they go on Instagram, they go on the research button, we are going to see a lot of uh, naked women. <laughs> but it's true. Like it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's calculated for that. And then you're going to be like, oh, and he completely... You know, like he, he sucks you in and you see all these like bike stuff and blah, blah, blah. And, and it, it really sucks you in. And at some point I was like, oh my God, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm an addict. I have a problem. And there is nothing right now in this, in the system, in the, in the world we live in that actually acknowledges that. And there is no tips really to, to get you out of that. <laughs> so my way was like, well, that's the same way that I did when I was, uh, a drug addict in Australia was to completely uh, shut it down. So that's yeah. what I did for two weeks. I was like, you know what? I'm going to shut it down for two weeks and see how that goes. The first three days, it was uh, it was actually uh, it was I was actually feeling pretty bad. Okay, <laughs> it was it was not great. Like I was not doing well. And then I started to get into more of a routine, reading books and doing things that I I didn't really do before, organizing myself. And it was, uh, it felt great. It felt really great. But then after these two weeks, I put back Instagram on my phone and then right away, the same day, boom, I, I got sucked in again. And I was like, holy shit, this thing is nasty. <laughs> it's tricky, huh? Yeah. So now I, uh, I manage, um, my social media on Hootsuite, which is a, a okay. des desktop, uh, desktop app where you can actually manage everything. Yeah. And you can plan things. So sometimes I plan my post and stuff like that. So it really like kind of frees me from that. And once in a while, I'm going to completely delay the app from my, from my phone and it's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. So I, I do that when I see that I'm kind of getting sucked in again, tack, delete the app. And, uh, and that's actually one thing that everybody should do. Like just delete the app from your phone and see how you, see how you are. Cause it's, it's probably going to feel weird. <laughs> yeah interesting have you seen the, the film social dilemma i did actually when i was doing that i actually uh realized that it was a documentary on that and i was like holy yeah. shit this is <laughs> pretty scary huh it's, it's pretty scary yeah yeah it's it's actually pretty uh it's pretty scary mm. yeah interesting yeah tricky one i yeah i'm definitely part of the indicted crowd i'm not horrific but but I we, I think we, we, without we all are, you know, to a certain point, I think we, uh, we all are addicted and some people are more into Facebook. Some people are more into Instagram. Some people like, like more like websites, you know, like news things like it, it addiction can be, uh, but there is an addiction. There is, I think a serious addiction on that. And the, yeah. the news and the feed that we see is really, uh, like it's, it's really, sometimes it can be really nasty. They, and they say it in the social dilemmas, you know, like the more you're going to look at like conspiracy theory and all this kind of stuff, the more you're actually going to see conspiracy shit coming to you. Yeah, so it's like send you, you, you more get, of it. they're going to send you more of it, which is actually, uh, which is, which is super, uh, which is fucking crazy. 
yeah it's pretty scary isn't it yeah. it was uh yeah it was an eye-opening thing to watch so yeah definitely totally. recommend that to people and there is probably some things that you take from this documentary like always and then something that you, you know like you have to take some stuff don't take some stuff because there might be some stuff that are a little bit biased like you don't know Mm. we don't really know the background or this kind of stuff always like who paid for that who made this documentary what's the yeah. you know so some stuff are true some of the stuff just just pick up your own thing but i think the the general message is actually uh it's pretty strong and you, that's maybe the the thing that we need to take yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So social media about... social media is my job you know like well, yeah it's part of every athlete's job right now in the in in 2021 and uh you can't avoid it no so putting it in a scheduling app like that helps you step away from it a bit doesn't it totally and then you focus on some other stuff like riding your bike (laughs) (laughs) good stuff (laughs) which is a little bit more important (laughs) definitely definitely well yeah talking about making changes and it's the start of the year how do you feel about new year's resolutions is that something you buy into yes and no <laughs> <laughs> go on i think i think you uh you can make you can make new resolutions like all the time like you don't have to wait the new year <laughs> yeah every time during the, the year you can make resolutions and you you know like we always think about things that we should be doing but we actually don't really do them like we, it's it's kind of this thing with the New Year resolution. Like we always like, oh yeah, this year I'm going to do this, and then you end up not doing it. So I think that when you really need a change in your life and you really want a change, you actually need to change physical things in your life. You know, you need to change things. If it's just like a mental thing, you're actually gonna go in this path a little bit, and then all the daily things that you do are gonna bring you back to what you do usually and nothing's going to change. Yeah. So you actually need to change physical things to see a change. It's the same yeah. with it's the same with training, it's the same with racing. How can you improve your your racing and your results if you keep doing the same thing? It's not going to happen. That's the the definition of insanity. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. You yeah. actually need to change physical things to see your results. And it can be like very little basic things to like complete drastic changes in your life but you need to change uh, so new year resolution yes of course go on but uh but do it like actually physically do it change yeah make it hard to hard to go back to the old ways exactly you completely need to be like okay this is a new chapter i'm gonna change blah and then you uh and then you go otherwise nothing's gonna happen definitely that's that's the uh, you know with the environment stuff and all this kind of stuff i think we we talked about it last in 2020 and uh, yeah. and you know like talking is great doing few things is great but at some point we need uh we need to make big changes in our lives to uh to see a progress and that's a little bit what's going to happen in a few days <laughs> yeah that's a perfect perfect place to uh end part one of our chat cool um, and we'll uh, then we can chat a bit more for the part two about your plans for 2021. Totally. Um, but yeah, so for people that have been listening to this, if they want to find out more, follow what you're up to, get addicted to social media, where's the best <laughs> place for them to head? 
where is the best place to head to find out more about next year uh no just to kind of follow you throughout the year i guess oh the social media <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> instagram now there will be uh there actually going to be a lot of uh like video projects so i guess on any mountain bike website thing bike vital french website european website like i think they would they are actually going to be a lot of things and my cool i feel i kind of feel like i'm at the beginning of my career And it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. I'm pumped. So stay tuned, and you're gonna see a lot of uh, adventures, a lot of things, a lot of videos, a lot of content, good stuff in the new year. Excellent. And what about uh, into the now? If they want to find out more about that, into the now, you can go on my website www.barreliconcept.com, and you can have all the videos into the now are gonna be on this website. Uh, we're actually going to launch a new website uh, when everything is launched, so in a few days. And the coaching is going to be on that, half day, full day, camp, skills camp, everything's going to be on that. New sponsors, new, uh, new everything, it's going uh, to be in there. Excellent. All right, good stuff. Well, it's been, yeah, been really interesting catching up. I'm looking forward to hearing more about your 2021 plans. But for now, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me. And I will, uh, well, talk to you in a few days. <laughs> nice one. Cheers, John. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye-bye. All right, that's it for this episode with Jörn. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thanks to We Are One Composites for supporting this episode. If you want to save on their awesome wheels or their packaged bar and stem, then as a downtime listener, you can get 15% off for the whole of January using the code 2021HEREWEGO at the checkout over on weareonecomposites.com. That's 2021HEREWEGO, all lowercase, all one word. Check out what they have to offer over at weareonecomposites.com now. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, then you can grab yourself a t-shirt, sweatshirt or hoodie by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. All the proceeds go to help improving the podcast. You know what to do by now. Keep on spreading the word about the podcast. Keep telling your mates and share the episodes on your social media. It all helps me to keep this thing going. If you've got a little bit of time, then a review on iTunes is super helpful too. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up soon. But until then, get out and ride. <laughs>